Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you guys here with us at New Life. If you would find a seat, that would really be helpful for us. My name is Jeff, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at New Life. And uh, you guys are sitting in one of three of our auditoriums. We have the main auditorium here. We also have those worshiping with us down in the venue. I want to say a big hello to those worshiping with us in the venue, as well as those that have joined us live all the way from our North Platte campus. And so uh, we are one church in multiple locations, and today you're here to experience God in one of four worship services. It's an exciting place to be. God is at work at New Life because he's at, he's at work in the hearts of people. Amen? And I, I pray that he's at work inside of your heart. <clears throat> well, it's a joy to serve this church. We have a number of staff that are on, our pastoral staff and directors that are on uh, on the team with us here, and every single one of them would express the same heart that I do right now. You guys, you guys actually make it enjoyable, and you make it fun to be a pastor. And I'm thankful to have, uh, have you guys as a congregation, and all of you that might be visiting with us today that are, you know, interested in maybe being a part of this body. Uh, you need to know that our arms are wide open, and we're saying, yeah, please, come on in. Our goal is not just to protect what we have. Our, grow, our goal is to outgrow everything that we have um, and keep expanding God's kingdom by helping people to find Jesus one soul at a time. Amen? All right. That's, a, that's who we are. That's just who we are. <coughs> that's who we're going to continue to be. And that's why we're doing this teaching series that many of you have asked me about. Um, it's entitled, From Here to Eternity. And I've been asked the question, what does this series mean, From Here to Eternity? And I just keep telling them this. Well, it's going to be a really, really long teaching series. Uh, it's just going to last forever. Uh, and I just kind of walk away. And people are probably wondering, is he serious? What's his problem? What's his deal? This is going to be four weeks. Four weeks from here to eternity. All right? No, the world does not end in four weeks. That's the second thing. No, this is not us predicting anything. This is us helping you understand what the spiritual journey is really all about. What is this spiritual journey all about? So to get started today, I thought we might land on a passage of scripture that would help identify what's the real purpose of this teaching series from here to eternity. Take a look at what 1 John 2 has to say. It says, this world, in fact, you know what, how about this? Everybody that's listening to me today in the venue down in North Platte here in the main auditorium, why don't you, why don't you read this with me, okay? Just read it out loud with me. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave, including our donuts out in the lobby, by the way, period. But anyone who does what pleases God, wow, you do what pleases God, you get to live forever. Now listen, one thing I need to be straight with you is this, every single one of you is going to live forever, just not on this earth. And after this earth, there's going to be a moment that you're going to be standing in God's presence or you're not going to be standing in God's presence. And there's really no reason to fear that. There's a great hope that you can have that you would know that you're standing in God's, God's presence. And that is this, if we live a life that pleases God, then we spend eternity with God. From here to eternity is all about God's presence. It's about, and no, it's, I'm not talking about Christmas, like God giving you presents, I'm talking about the presence of God, knowing that you are sitting right now in the very presence of God, no matter what auditorium you're in, you're in the presence of God. And God, 
God's eternity is about experiencing his presence in heaven, yes. I mean, there is an eternity with God after this life that is, and it's amazing what the Bible talks about. The little bit that we're given, it's, just, it's a place where every single person in this room should want to go. And it's, it's a place where every single person in this room should want all of their friends and family to be in as well. We should all be living a life to be in eternity with God in heaven, to be in his, his presence all the time. But you also need to know that God's interested in you being in his presence here on this earth. The kingdom come, your will be done. God's presence is all around us. And what God, what God wants you and me to experience on a regular basis is his presence. God's not trying to play hide and seek from you. God's not trying to keep the best that he has from you. God's very much interested in you and me you know, recognizing that, wow, God, your presence is here. Your presence, it's leading me. Your Holy Spirit, it guides me. As I read your word, it comes alive, and I sense your presence as you're speaking to me. That's the relationship God wants you and me to have with him. From here to eternity is figuring out where you're at in this spiritual journey. Where, what place are you? And helping you take the, the important steps toward God so that you become all that God wants you to be. You need to know something today. Eternity with God doesn't start when you die. Eternity with God starts the minute that you humble yourself and surrender yourself and you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my leader. Eternity with God starts here on this earth. The day that you surrender. So if you're here today and you're searching and you're wondering, is Jesus the reason why I should be living. Is Jesus God? Should I follow him? Should I allow him to be my Lord and my leader? If you're asking those questions, those are all the right questions to ask. But you need to know today, eternity with God will start for you when you finally come to the place by faith and say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. See, the first phase of a spiritual journey from here to eternity requires you to step over the line that's a that's a line a line of belief that says you know i'm i'm living man's way and i'm going to step over the line and i'm going to live god's way first we must understand though if we're going to step over this line we have to understand some principles and some you know characteristics of god we have to understand God's heart to understand, you know, if I'm going to step over this line, why am I stepping over this line of faith from man's world into God's world? And what's really helping me? What's really encouraging me? What's really pulling on me? So to help us understand that, we're going to start with a scientific equation. Does anybody here like science? Let me hear from science people. Wow, many more science people than I thought. Well, I bet you the main auditorium probably has the most science-minded people. That's probably the case right now. We have all the creative arts artsy kind of people probably down in the, uh, in the venue, right? Uh, in a conglomeration of that in North Platte. But we have some science-minded people. So let's start with this. Let's start with the law of... Someone tell me what that law is. You science-minded people. Come on. This is, this is the scientific law and equation for gravity. Oh, now you're overwhelmed, aren't you? Whoa, man, why do we have to start with this kind of stuff, Jeff? Can't we just start someplace else? Well, one of the things that I have a core belief on is this. 
the Bible says that when you look into creation, you should be able to look into creation and see God. I believe you can look at things like the law of gravity and you can start seeing who God is. Let me help you understand what I mean by that. Let's understand gravity first. First, we got this blue mass, M1, that's mass. This is the first planet. Let's call this one the sun, all right? M2 is smaller. Um, it will be, let's call it the earth for a moment. So we have the sun, which is larger. You've got the earth, which is smaller. And part of gravity has to do with one mass being larger than another mass. And the larger the mass, the greater the gravitational pull on the smaller mass. The smaller a mass, then the less gravitational pull that it has. That's part of the law. The other part of the law is this R line. And that is how, how far away are these two objects from each other? The closer you are to the large object, the greater the gravitational pull is. The farther you are away, the less gravitational pull. So you have these components at work. The larger an object, the greater its gravity. The smaller an object, the less its gravity. The closer together, greater gravity. Farther away, less gravity. Now, everyone, you're in awe of that, aren't you? Yeah, I know. I could, I could see that. All, it was written all over you. So like the law of gravity here on earth, which holds you to the ground. Has, have any of you experienced gravity this last week? Of course you did. Did any of you experience it in the sense of like someone should probably have taken a picture of that moment though? Like when gravity grabbed a hold of you, tripped, and you fell to the ground. One of those moments, something fell on you. Who knows what the, what the issue was, but yes, you've experienced gravity. To break free of the gravity of earth, I mean to just say, forget you, gravity. I don't want to have anything to do with you, you know? I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. you you're so confining, gravity. You're so, you, you take away all my fun. I don't get to do anything fun. You, you hurt me. You know, I just don't like you anymore. If you have that kind of attitude towards gravity, then all you need to simply do is this. Go 25,000 miles per hour straight up, and you can break free right of gravity. That's all you got to do. It's pretty simple. 25,000 miles per hour is your escape velocity if you want to break free of gravity. Now, why are these principles important? You're like, you're probably sitting there going, I have no idea. They're important, they're important because in the scope of your spiritual life, in the scope of your spiritual life, the greatest mass in your spiritual life is God. And what God's attempting to do with you all the time is he's attempting to maximize his mass to keep pulling you closer and closer and closer to him. That's what God's wanting to do. So in essence, if I could just, if I could draw it for you for a moment, if I could just say, listen, this large circle is going to be the kingdom of God, and this, this piece here in the middle, if I can just kind of, you know, fill in this circle, I was never really good with this coloring thing, but if I can just fill that in, let's just say that that's God, although we know God's everywhere at all time, then how does this law of spiritual gravity, how does this really work on you? Well, here's, here's the process that's at work. You and me, we were out here in what I'm calling man's world. Everything outside of this circle is man's world. It's built on man's laws. It's built on man's ideals. It's built on, you know, man's principles, uh, what, what pleases man, not what pleases God. And we all started out here. 
But there's something interesting about God, and that is the gravity of God has been pulling on you the whole time to get you to Him. God's whole desire in life is that you would come from wherever you are and be drawn in to the center of who He is. God's gravity is God's grace. It's His grace for humanity. It's His grace to forgive you even though you don't deserve it. It's His grace that desires relationship with you even though you've done things that have burnt the bridges with Him. It's His grace that has the heart and desire to overlook your sin. It's grace that's been purchased with a price and that price was Jesus giving His life on the cross and raising from the grave again on the third day. And that's what stored up a, a bank account of grace that's never ending for your life and for my life. And it's constantly pulling on us, drawing us into God. John chapter 6 speaks of it in this manner. It says, for no one can come to me. This was Jesus speaking. No one can come to me, Jesus, that is, unless the Father who sent me does something. What is this word? Unless he draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. What God is doing is this. He's drawing you to himself. The gravity of God's grace is saying, come to me through Christ. He he was the sacrifice for your sins. He's the one that paid the price for you. I loved you enough that I put him out there that he would die on a cross and raise again from the grave on the third day so that grace would be sufficient enough that I could keep pulling you to myself. But you have to come to me through Christ. It's very much like, like a bungee cord. If we can, we got this great, we got this gravity piece, but let's define it maybe another way, okay? Like a bungee cord. Does anybody ever use the bungee cord? Did you ever pull it back and let it go and it came back and slapped you and you never did that again? Recommendation, don't hook it to something and pull directly towards your face. Don't ever do that, all right? I was looking up, uh, Googling pictures of bungee cord usage and it just had a bunch of people with black eyes. Um, I'm not joking, there was a lot of them out there. So God, God's gravity is grace. Another way you can look at it is with a bungee cord. So um, you know, back when I was a youth pastor, I used to travel around and speak at, at public schools. And when I would speak at public schools, I would take these inflatable games with me so that we could have a lot of fun, you know, and, you know, just kind of get kids playing so then you can, like, stop them all and, you know, speak some truth into their life. One of the games I loved the most was called the bungee run. Now, the bungee run is this game where a couple of people compete against each other and you're trying to pull against the bungee to get some object and stick it out here on this Velcro. Well, the reason why it was so much fun is because you would get grown men out there and they're like, I'm going to show you, I'll get all the way to the end. And they start taking off to get to the end. And what happens with the bungee? Gets tighter and tighter and tighter until finally you can't pull against it anymore. And they're like, whoa, and they go flying backwards. And it's just the best. (laughs) And you could just see it. It was written on their face. Like, I thought I, you know, and they're flailing in the wind and they're rolling all over themselves and, you know, they have to get back up and do it again. It was a lot of fun. But the, the power of the bungee, man, I mean, that thing is, it's, it's powerful. And this, this bungee cord, it really kind of represents some things between, you know, you and God. This bungee cord could represent the gravity of God's grace and it's hooked to you and it's hooked to God. 
And if you're outside of that circle that we drew just a minute ago, if you find yourself out here and you've yet to surrender yourself to God and to his kingdom, then there's some pull on this thing. It's one of the reasons why when you're living outside of God's kingdom, life is difficult. I mean, there's a lot of stress you have to deal with because you've got to keep it all together. I'm just telling you right now, my arms are starting to actually get tired just holding this thing apart. You get weary. You, you get, there's fear that comes in. There's doubt that rules you. you you've got to be the keeper of your own self-image. Right now, I wish you could feel the burn that's happening in my muscles right now. All two of them. It's burning. And it's, it's burning hard. Um, and this, but that's life. I mean, right now, I, I want to let go of this bungee. I want to give it up. And for many of you, you're, you're living in God's world. I mean, you're living in man's world, and you're feeling the stress of this thing. And the more you try to fight against God, the stronger and the stronger the stress gets. Man, I really pray this thing doesn't break in my face. Some of you, you're pulling, and you're pulling, and you're fighting, and you're fighting. And you're trying to keep yourself from God. You're trying to keep yourself in your own independence. And there's a lot of work that has to be done for that. But God just keeps pulling on you, and he keeps pulling on you. Why? Because he loves you, and he won't give up. And he's praying someday that you'll give in, and you'll let him pull you straight to himself. See, that's God's plan for you. And that's the purpose of our church. One of our core values is that seekers find God. When you're all the way, and you got the cord stretched, or it's just stretched a little bit for you, or whatever, if you'll... If you stop the fight and you start seeking God, it's amazing how gravity will just, God's gravity will pull you right back to himself. See, God, God's the one who created the law of gravity. I believe that that law is based on a spiritual law that was already created before the beginning of time. The spiritual law of God's grace that pulls on the heart of men and women to come into relationship with him so throughout this series from here to eternity our whole goal is to help you figure out where you're at in this journey and to encourage you inspire you and to equip you to surrender the pull turn inward and let god bring you into a beautiful wonderful thriving relationship with him so to grab it maybe just a little bit more today Let's define some of the key areas that we need to really understand. This circle is something that I use often to help people understand where they are in their spiritual life. And there's three key components to this, to this circle. You have a, um, a handout. It's in your bulletin. And you can uh, kind of fill in the notes today if you would like to. It's going to be something that we're, uh, we're going to challenge you this week to share your personal spiritual journey with someone using the circle to true life. So you kind of need to know how it works. Um, here's, uh, here's the way it works. There are, there are three, three basic components to the circle to true life. Let's get the circle on here. The first one is just what's inside the circle. Inside of the circle is defined for us as the kingdom of God. This is where God is the authority over your life. This is where you, you come to God and you're like, God, I want to be in your kingdom the kingdom of God, because outside of this circle would be the kingdom of man, or I just like to refer to it as man's world, all right? Because man, I think it's too, it just gives a connotation of too much authority when it's the kingdom of man. 
So man's world outside, God's kingdom inside, this is where we're trying to get all of you to come to. This is where we're trying to get all of you to live. Every single Sunday we gather, every life group, every ounce of what we do here as pastors is trying to help you thrive and live a successful Christian life inside of God's kingdom and be fully satisfied and fully content. Now there's another piece though to this circle and that's what I drew earlier. But that would be the center of God's will. The dot in the middle is where God's trying to get you. God's trying to bring you into this place where you're, you're, you're most fulfilled, where you're most satisfied, where you're feeling like your gifts, your talents, and your abilities are utilized the most. That's what God's trying to do. God's the one who gave you the personality that he wants to use. God's the one that gave you the gifts, talents, and abilities. He wants to maximize those. But the only way they get maximized is when you come to a place where you live at the center of God's will. So, sounds like a beautiful place, the kingdom of God. Sounds like a place that we probably all want to get to, the center of God's will. How do we get there? Well, the first thing that you got to deal with is the circle itself. And the outer rim of this circle is what we like to call faith in Jesus. It's where you are standing out here in man's world, and you want to come into God's kingdom. The very first thing you got to deal with is faith in Jesus. Take a look at what Hebrews has to say about it. It says, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith, faith for God is admitting and living a life that says, Jesus is my Lord and he's my leader. That's why step number one is I have to put my faith in God through Christ. That's where we have to be. So for you, what does your spiritual journey look like? If you had to draw your spiritual journey on here, what exactly would your spiritual journey look like? So today, let me just kind of give you an example of what my spiritual journey looks like. And that way, this week sometime, you can go away and you can draw your own spiritual journey. You can draw it on a napkin at a restaurant or at a coffee shop. You can sit down at work and draw a circle, put a dot in the middle, and help someone understand where you're at spiritually, and then you can challenge them. Where are they at? Now you can help them grow. Here's my life. My life as a kid, I was born. We're all born into sin. None of us are perfect at birth. It's not because of really anything we've done. It's just that the fact that we're lacking a Savior. We need a Savior. The Savior is Christ. I grew up in church all my life, so... I was quickly brought to this line. I'm, I'm going to say probably somewhere <clears throat> five, six, seven years old, maybe seven years old, I decided, you know what? I, I've heard enough of this, this Jesus guy. I believe that Jesus is Lord. <clears throat> and I, I prayed a nice little prayer. And I said, Jesus, I love you. And I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you grew up in church... Maybe you were like that as well, where you just, you grew up singing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, right? Or, uh, you know, Father Abraham, have many sons, have many sons, have Father Abraham, right? You get dizzy, kids throw up, it's weird, it's crazy. <clears throat> Pastor Chris and I were talking about Father Abraham's song earlier this week, and we were both convinced that as children's ministry, if you knew, if you know that song, Kids can start singing that song, and 10 minutes later, you could still be singing it. 
It's a great, it's a great time filler um, for a children's pastor. I wonder if Pastor Eric uses Father Abraham. We should all find out. Ask your kids. Do you kids, do you know Father Abraham? Because then we'll know. Is he stalling for time? At seven, I crossed the line. <clears throat> I came into God's kingdom. In this kingdom, though, I, I just roamed. I'm a kid, right? I'm growing in my teen years, and I'm just roaming. In my teen years, I, I came out here to the edge. I didn't think that God was relevant anymore. I didn't really see a purpose for God. You know, I was living my life doing my thing, but man, you know, I, I was like, I'm a, I'm a bit ashamed of God. I, I don't know that I want to keep following him, but I was a little fearful of not following him because, well, quite frankly, I was raised that at any given moment, I, I wouldn't know if I was going to go to heaven or not go to heaven. So <clears throat> I definitely didn't want to burn in hell for, forever, but I was 16 years old and I just kind of wanted to live the way I wanted to. So I'm out here doing my thing. Somewhere in my early 20s, I, I'm so convinced now that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't exist, and that God must not care about me because I pray and I don't hear anything. You know, I, I do these things, but I don't feel anything. That I got myself right against this edge of this line of faith where I, I came to a place where I basically pointed my finger to God in a parking lot in uh, Bellevue, Nebraska, and I said, God, you must not exist because you don't answer prayers and, you know, you, you, you don't show up when I need you. you. You don't exist. I'm not following you anymore. I find that to be, at this stage of my life, a bit ironic that I don't believe in a God, but yet I'm standing in public in some place where others can see me pointing my finger to somebody. That's a bit ironic, I think. It's this challenge that happens on the inside where I want to be in control and i got to find my excuses to be there. That day I crossed this line back in the man's world. And I, I chose to live the rest of those days the way that I felt was best. And in that journey, I tried to get as far away from God as possible. That bungee cord was getting stretched. It was stretching to the max. Until I finally said... So I finally started going, God, will you take me back? There was this moment where I kind of hit this wall. And in an instant, I, I was like transported from this man's world right back to this line. And I was standing at that line one more time, looking at it going, Jesus, if you would take a person like me back, I want to come back and follow you. You know, if you, would, if you would take me, a sinner, a man who has broke all kinds of laws of yours, broke all kinds of rules, I want to come back. And I remember that day, I'm sensing God's spirit say, welcome home, my son. And I came back in. And my journey since then has been one just to kind of find myself getting into this gravitational pull of God's grace, where I've just been huddling myself in on Christ and coming to this place where I'm just living. I'm living here. That's where I'm living now. I didn't get there overnight. There was a journey to it. But one thing was true. God's grace, the gravity of God's grace never stopped pulling on me. He never, he never gave up. He just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. And the more that I said, I want you to be the Lord and leader, he kept doing his perfect work. And that's what God's doing in the hearts of people in this place right now. That's what he's doing with you. 
He's pulling on you because he's not willing to give up on you. So the first step that we have to come to is this. We have to deal with what it means to step over this line of faith. That's where we have to go today. If you're living outside of this line of faith, let me just tell you, you're living outside a man's world, you're living a wicked life. You're living a life where you're breaking God's laws. You know, you're living a life where God's rules are being broken all the time. But one thing you need to know about God, even though you're in that stage, is this. Look at Job 34. It says, for God watches how people live. He watches us, even when we're in man's world, he watches. He sees everything that we do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. No darkness is thick enough. Thanks, buddy, I appreciate that. No darkness is thick enough to hide us from God. I mean, do you hear that today? It doesn't matter how far you get away from God, you can't get into a dark, sinful place where A, God gives up on you, and B, God doesn't love you and doesn't see you right there in that spot. There's no dark place you can get to. So today, if you hear my voice, please recognize and know you have not gone too far. You have not drifted so far away that God's love cannot reach out and grab you. What do you need to do then? You need to step over the line of faith. And to step over the line of faith is going to require you to do one thing today, and that is surrender. There's a big difference, though, between surrender and acceptance. A big difference between those two. Today you have to surrender. Surrender means that you stop fighting, right? You stop fighting and you start letting God have complete control. That's what it would be like if you surrendered to God and that bungee cord started pulling you towards him. But many of you are here today and you, you maybe have come to God with an attitude of acceptance. Like, God, I accepted you, meaning like I gave you my consent, And so basically, I was the one that was put in charge. That's not the attitude that we come to God with. We come to God with an attitude of saying, I'm going to stop fighting and let you be my ultimate authority. Because remember, whose kingdom is it in here? It's God's kingdom. That means he's the king and he has to be the ruler. Excuse me. So take a look with me at what Matthew has to say about this. In Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus said to his disciples... If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. It continues, though. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you will save it. Surrendering to God requires you to have a Christ-centric attitude instead of a me-centric attitude. Who's at the center God's at the center. It would be audacious of you to think that somewhere, wherever you are, draw a big circle around you and say to yourself, look at me now. Look how powerful I am. See, that's what people on earth think. Just for once, go to Google and Google and ask for a picture of how big is earth compared to the sun. And you're going to find you're going to fit the earth inside of our sun hundreds and thousands of times. We are minuscule in the scope of this whole universe. You are minuscule on the scope of this earth. And the faster that you and me surrender to God and we say, let Christ be at the center instead of me at the center, now you're really going to learn what surrender is. Complete surrender is something that should be normal, not radical. 
we got this idea that if we surrender completely to God, it's this radical lifestyle. It's what God ordained. It should be something that's normal, but I'm going to tell you this, it's going to require you to give it all. To give it all. Just like groups of missionaries that are going into the mission field today. These missionaries are going in underneath the banner of live dead missionaries. Live dead. That title alone should give you an idea of their attitude. These missionaries are going into countries that are hostile to Christianity. And they're going there to live undercover in a way because they can't preach openly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And couples are going and they're living in these, in these countries and they're sharing the gospel of Jesus in, in, in small ways, in ways that they can, you know, when opportunities are given. They can't get on the street and preach because if they do, it might be death or it might be, you know, imprisonment for life. But they're going there with this live dead mentality. Did you know that that's what God's looking for from, from you and me? He's looking for us to surrender to him with this live dead attitude. If that's, if that's what surrender means is to live dead, you need to know something today. Stepping over the line out of man world, man's world into God's kingdom, there's nothing safe about that. There's nothing safe about following Jesus. I'm not here today to tell you that following Jesus you know, it's just a nice rosy little journey where everything just goes perfect and it seems like all the planets align and God just is always just, he just always puts a smile on my face all the time. I mean, it's so joyful. All the time, it's just perfect. I'm telling you, it's not safe. Look at the first 12 that chose to follow Jesus. 11 of those 12, church history tells us that they died by persecution. It's not safe. It's still not safe in 2015. So surrendering to God and choosing to live dead isn't safe. Nor is surrendering to God and choosing to live dead some free ticket out of hell. That's not how you should, that's not how you should live. That's not the attitude in which you should have. It's not a free ticket out of hell. It's a, it's a relationship with God that gets to last for eternity. Stepping over the line, though, is choosing to live dead to self so that Christ can be first. Man. Guys, today, please recognize Jesus didn't die to make you safe or to keep you safe. Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave on the third day to make you dangerous in this world. Dangerous in what way? Dangerous to an enemy who's trying to rob, kill, steal, and destroy people out of God's kingdom. An enemy who's trying to blind people when they're in man's world and keep them in bondage. An enemy that keeps telling them at the other end, at the other end of the bungee cord, as it just keeps getting pulled tighter and tighter and again, the gravity of God's grace keeps pulling harder and harder, there's an enemy on the other side going, keep running this way. Yeah, that's right. I know it's hard, but keep running this way. You don't want to go back to that. Keep running this way. God made you dangerous so that you could get in people's lives and help them understand it's time to surrender and come back to Jesus. If you want to step over the line, there's one last thing that I want you to consider today, and that's this. Jesus must be a personal God. Jesus can't be a distant God. Jesus can't be a figurine that hangs on a cross around your neck. Jesus isn't in heaven, you know, just stalling and waiting and not understanding and not knowing what's happening in your life. Jesus wants to be a personal God. Take a look at what he says about the relationship that he wants with you in the book of Revelation chapter three. He says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. 
If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is knocking at your heart's door today. Every single one of you. He's knocking at the the heart's door and guess what he wants to do? He wants to have a personal interaction with you like a friend has over a meal. Have you eaten a meal with a friend this past week? If you're married, you better say yes. All right, so we've all eaten a meal with a friend. I mean, I've had meals with some friends that just go down in the history books. They are monumentous moments that are memorable and they last for a long time. That's who Jesus is. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you like a friend has over a meal. He wants to be that close to you. Jesus is jealous for that kind of relationship with you. Have you ever been jealous for a person? I know it's not like the best analogy, but when Kim and I were dating, you know, when we were first dating, man, I was, I was kind of jealous. Like other boys would come around and they would talk to her and I might be in the room, like on the other side of the room, and I would come walking up to Kim and put my arm around her and I'd be like, hey, babe, what's up? <laughs> Just so everybody knows, right? She belongs to me, right? She belongs to me. Like I was, I was a lover. I'm not a fighter. Although, you know, I'll fight if I have to, prove it, right? But I didn't want to. And so you're jealous. You're jealous and you're like, man, I want her for myself. Babe, look into my eyes, right? Speak, speak, you know, whispers of love to me. The jealous. Take that jealousy and ramp it up a million times. That's the jealousy God has for you. But it's healthy. It's not unhealthy. God just doesn't want anything to stand between you and him. He is jealous for you. He's jealous to have a personal relationship with you. So if you're going to have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you must see salvation as a gift and not something that you earn. Look at what Ephesians has to say about this. It says, for it's by grace that you've been saved. That grace that God's pulling on you. Remember? You surrendered to it. He's pulling on you. It's by that grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's not about what you do. You're not the one that's coming here to the line of faith, knocking on the door of the kingdom, going, God, open up the door. Open up the door. Well, why should I open the door? Well, because I'm good. I mean, God, look what I've been doing out here in man's world. I, I, I do things for people for free. Don't even charge them. I have a lot of friends. I give a lot to charity. You know, I'm a leader. A lot of people like me. And by the way, God, I haven't even said a cuss word in the last three months. Let me in. That's not really me, by the way, just letting you know. Um, Let me in. Let me in. No, it's not you that stands at the door and knocks. It's Jesus that stands at your heart's door. He's the one knocking on you. It's not by what you've done that gets you in. It's by his grace that gets you in. If you want a personal relationship with God, then you must believe this as well. He's not holding out on you. Take a look at what this passage says in Psalms. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. Again, we come back to the grace thing. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Remember what this whole teaching series is about? Helping you learn what it means to please God. See, God doesn't He's not trying to withhold things from you. He's not purposefully trying to bring, you know, pain to your life. 
He's going to let you walk through difficult times. And I know one thing about God. God doesn't waste pain. I know that about God. But God doesn't withhold things from you. It's just that you and me ask for things that we don't need. We ask for things that we think we need, but God knows best. That's why you think God withhold things from you, is because you put yourself into his shoes, and then you try to say, God, you haven't done this. When God's like, I wasn't intending to do any of those things from the beginning. If you just would have asked me, if you would have been on my page. So one thing you need to know today, God wants you to go from wherever you are to spending eternity with him, experiencing his presence today, and experience his presence for eternity. You need to know that today. And this is what Jesus said about it in wrapping up. And this is the way to have eternal life. These are the words of Jesus. You want to know what the way to have eternal life is? To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus was speaking this to his Father. But it's a glimpse for you and me into how do we have eternal life. You have eternal life by knowing God and by knowing Jesus. But that's going to take a step of faith where you step over the line from man's world into into God's kingdom, even if you don't have it all figured out. You know what? There's a a a great story in the creation that God has made for us. It's found in an, like an African impala. A very fast animal, agile animal. The thing could jump 10 feet high. It only stands, I think, somewhere around like 3 feet. It could jump 10 feet high, and it can, it can bound and leap for 30 feet in one moment. 10 feet up and 30 feet long. You know what's amazing about African impala? They're held in our zoos with like a 3-foot wall. Yeah. I mean, you can bounce over that easy and leap over it a long distance. Why don't they do it? They don't do it because they don't leap where they can't see. Today, you might not have it at all figured out, but if you're standing in man's world, let me just tell you something. You need to get into God's kingdom. And even if you don't have it all figured out, today is a day where you need to surrender your life to him and let Jesus become a personal God so that he can start radically transforming you and changing you from the inside Today, we're going to spend the next few minutes in worship. This is your moment to respond to God. Where are you at in the spiritual journey? I know one thing. Every single person that's hearing my voice, every single person that's watching in North Platte, down in the venue, God's trying to do one thing. He's trying to get you to the center. Today, my my challenge to you is surrender. No matter where you are in the spiritual journey, surrender to God. Let him truly lead you. He's pulling on you with a force that's greater than anything you've ever experienced in your life. The gravity of God's grace. I want to help you get to the center of God's will. That's where we're going over these next few weeks to help you understand where you're at and the next steps that you need to take. Let's have an attitude of surrender to God in these moments of worship that we have before him. Let's maximize these last minutes that we have together. Come to God. Use the altars in the front of our auditoriums. Humble yourself down and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my leader. Lead me, draw me to the center, maximize my life for your purpose and for your will. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we are internally grateful for your your law of spiritual gravity called grace that keeps pulling on us 
and challenging us to come closer and closer and closer to you. God, you're wanting us, like earth is caught in the gravity of the sun and cannot escape. You're wanting us to get caught in the gravity of your presence where we can't escape. That we would completely surrender. We would give up our fight. And we would let you truly have your way in us. God, that's what you want to do. You're never going to quit challenging us. You're never going to quit pulling on us. You're going to keep pulling, pulling, pulling. And you're going to let us keep fighting and fighting for our independence. And the whole time, you're pulling out of love. You're just hoping that one day we'll surrender. And we'll let, we'll let you have your perfect will in our lives. Lord, today, for our three auditoriums and all those that worship at New Life, may, may we all experience your presence in the midst of our worship. May we know that you met with us here in this place. And may we walk out of the doors of New Life, no matter which auditorium we're in, walk out as changed people. In Jesus' name, amen.